everyone. Welcome to the Where If You Take You podcast. We are back this week after a, a short little break, mostly due to life that we will we'll get into here in a minute. Um, I'm Kayla Bowker, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Aaron Oliphant. We come to you guys approximately every week. Again, we missed last week um, with just topics on on triathlon life. We answer your questions. We share race stories, race preps, um, and kind of everything in between. We both of us have a huge passion for triathlon, and our goal with this podcast is to just kind of share not only, I guess, our passion with triathlon, but just our ability to help others and share our stories through creating kind of a confidence in ourselves and everything. Um, and kind of whatever we've learned through our journey and as endurance athletes. Um, I, I'm Caleb, again, I'm Caleb Bowker. I'm a professional triathlete, mom to two little boys and coach at Where Your Feet Take You. And Aaron is a USAT level one coach at Where Your Feet Take You and amazing age group athlete on top of that. So we're just going to kind of dive in here because Aaron wants to get out and go do some training before the sun, <laughs> the sun goes away. Um, Let's do a little update. Aaron, are you alive? <laughs> I am alive and almost well. <laughs> almost well. I, yeah, I feel you on that one. Yeah. So last week, Kayla and I were both sick. I think very similar symptoms, just extreme fatigue, really sore throat, headaches, congestion, um, yep. really not fun. And then right as I felt like I was starting to recover from that, I got a bad UTI, which really hurt and just wanted to sit in a ball for a couple of days. And then when I was feeling recovered from that, I started throwing up. Yeah, I'm going to blame. I decided when you texted me that, I'm like, hmm, she had Taco Bell the night before. <laughs> I, okay. It's not like I had Taco Taco Bell, though. I had a cheesy roll up. kidding. <laughs> kidding. That was my first thought when <laughs> when you texted me that. And I was like, huh, Taco Bell. wonder if that's what did it. Um, not that it necessarily is the case, but I I giggled to myself. <laughs> no, I had two cheesy roll-ups and the chips with dip. So like no meat or anything mm-hmm. in there. Um, no, it was just this like extreme nausea. Like I had a migraine pretty bad earlier in the day where that like it was really hard to look it. at my, yeah, where it was hard to look at my computer, but that started to go away as I... Uh, I was coaching because I was working a lot last week. So I was coaching at Lifetime too. And then I swam and I got out of the water, was hungry. I ate. And as I was walking in the door, uh, my boyfriend came to hug me and I shoved him and went straight to the toilet. Vomited. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And was feeling really nauseous the past couple of days. But today I'm feeling good. So hoping to get the bike run workout in after this. Yeah, it's been... um been definitely uh like a 10 day period for both of us that just man it's been like the sickness that hangs on for dear life i feel like i started feeling so i had cabo and then i took some took some time off and just as i was about to get back into training i started feeling kind of rough it was like wow i just i can't even hit like 100 watts i'm so tired my throat is really t- sore and i texted my coach and was like i think i'm coming down with something and I was like, I'm just going to take the weekend to just kind of muddle my way through things and hopefully that'll curb it. Um, and then I thought I was feeling better on Monday and I wasn't. 
And then on Tuesday, when you texted me, I was literally laying in bed. I didn't move. I laid down. I said, I laid down on the cat on my bed and I was like, I'm just going to lay it for a half hour. I just need a half hour. I didn't get up for five hours. I did nothing. I couldn't even like look at my computer. I was so tired. Like work trying to do training plans made me tired. And from wow. the, and yeah. So that was really fun and <laughs> definitely kind of for me really threw my motivation out the window for a little bit. I was like, oh man, should I even do Indian Wells? Like I just I can't seem to train. I I can't do this. I suck. I'm losing fitness, right? All these things that we all go through. Um but I was like, okay, we're just got to keep one day at a time and I don't know. We're finally feeling better. It feels like it's been forever though. Just in time for the race, hopefully. Yeah. We we stay healthy-ish. Healthy-ish. I I don't need to be completely healthy. And I've basically done, like, no training since Kona, but we're doing it. We're sending it. Full set. We're sending it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. But we did have a really fun weekend of racing um, for the Where If You Take You team. Um, And it was really fun to go out there and cheer at Ironman Arizona with you. We had three athletes racing. Um, you had Kim racing, and it was her first um, full Ironman. Sounds like she did amazing. Um, we had uh, Jonah and Sam both racing as well. And then we had an athlete, Caitlin, down in Cozumel. So really fun weekend of racing, um, and it was fun to get out there and cheer. Though I have realized, and we talked about this, <laughs> I am not a good spectator. <laughs> it is not my forte i'm not a very good spectator i'm a better racer but then you thought you were maybe a better spectator so what do you think let's talk about this for a second here which do you prefer (laughs) do you prefer spectating or racing i think it depends on the distance and how i'm feeling on that day like i'm as i was very happy i was not racing and was very happy to be spectating um but i've always been kind of like your classic wahoo girl um so like i love cheering i love running around to different points of the course especially i'm as because i know that course so well um and just being at different spots to cheer for athletes or even when i was in lake placid with my mom like i got 18 miles of just cheering steps in that day plus a 10 mile run beforehand like i i love cheering but with like a 70.3 I haven't been to one where I wish I wasn't racing. I always wish I was mm. racing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am your stereotypical non-Woohoo girl, if there is a stereotypical <laughs> non-Woohoo girl. Like, that has never been something that I have been good at. Like, even going back to high school, I'd go, my boyfriend in high school played on uh, the football team, and he was the captain and and the quarterback, and and. I would, I would, people would go, uh, Kayla, did you not, did you not just pay attention and see Tony just did something awesome? And I was like, oh, um, okay, go. <laughs> That's how I, <laughs> like, this was my boyfriend of three years. Like, you'd think I would care a little bit more. I did care, but I'm just not. <laughs> Anyways, so I always wish I was racing and it was just such a great day for racing. It was beautiful. Yeah. Little windy if you were out on the bike course long. Um, The wind picked up, but 
Um, definitely just an amazing, beautiful day for racing. We got really lucky. The wa- water wasn't as cold as the year before. Really fast times from the on the bike, and um, just a great weather for running. So, congratulations to everybody who was out there racing. It was really fun to watch you guys, um, and it was also really fun. I was out there a little bit later. Like we had to leave at by six to go uh, pick up the kids, not pick up the kids, but to put the kids to sleep. But it was kind of fun to see that atmosphere. I never get to see that. And the atmosphere changes. It kind of shifts after like five o'clock, I noticed. And it just becomes a little bit more like, not even necessarily more excited, but just there's more like the support changed. And it was really fun to kind of feel that shift in energy for the people that we know were going to be out there a bit later. Did you stay out there the whole time for Kim? I did. Yeah. Well, yeah. I left as soon as she finished, but was there probably until 1130 by the time I left. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always love being there towards the end um, because there's just so many inspirational stories. And I think it's a lot of people like Kim who are finishing their first. And I think finishing that first just means so much more. Um, because there's so much more uncertainty that goes into it. And you really, you're like, I'm going to do it, but can I really do it? Like, I've never done this before. I've never pushed my body to like this limit. Um, and I think to see that like smile come across all those like people's faces as they finished an Ironman for the first time is just something extremely special. And I love watching it. Yeah, definitely have like a special pull towards the place you do your first Ironman. Like, do you feel that way about Texas a little bit? I think so. I'm mm-hmm. going back, so I guess you'll really, you'll find out. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, I feel I don't... that way about Ironman Arizona. That was my first Ironman in oh, 2016. Okay. Um, I had been previously supposed to do Ironman Coeur d'Alene as my first one, but a month before, I got hit by a car on a training ride. And um, broke my ankle and did some other damage and couldn't race. So then I signed up for Ironman Arizona, and that was my first one. And I just have this like I really feel like I have like a connection with that race because it was my first time, first one. Um, I've heard other people say the same thing. So I'd be curious when you go back to Texas this spring if like it feels just a little bit different. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'll report back. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, yeah, again, congratulations to everybody who raced. If it was your first time racing, congratulations for crossing the finish line. You are now a officially an Ironman and there is welcome to the club. There's something special about that. <laughs> so it's a cool um, club. It is. Okay. We have some questions today. Um, uh, we're going to start with here, not necessarily a question from anybody. I thought it was a great topic because you and I just finished or and are maybe on the right track to not being sick anymore. And kind of the idea of how do you manage training while sick? Do you do it? Do you not? Do you, you know, when do you listen, etc. Um and so I think this is a good one because you know, it's it's a very it's a fine line and a hard way to work. Or, or not work, sorry, fine line to balance and it's kind of like a hard thing to kind of think about what it is that you need to do. So when, you know, I think, you know, from that standpoint, you know, it kind of depends on how sick you are is really kind of the the key piece. But 
when you are managing your energy levels, Aaron, what do you focus on when you're sick of do I do it? Do I not? Et cetera. For me, it's a lot based on my motivation. Like if I'm sick and I don't feel motivated to do a workout, it's like probably a 99% chance I shouldn't do the workout. Yes, um, so that's always a good way for me to monitor it. But I think as I've gotten older and have learned my body more, um, I tend now to err on the side of caution because if I let myself get really sick, it takes forever for me to recover from that. Yeah, and you're someone that it tends to tra- it it transitions to your lungs very quickly. Yeah, so I in high school got really sick, and since I've had some chronic cyanitis, chronic bronchitis issues, um, if I get a sinus infection, it's very hard for it to ever go away um, because I was on antibiotics for so long, so I've developed some type of resistance to it. Um, so I really just try to stop anything from progressing to the point where it's an infection or bronchitis or something, um, especially with the asthma. My lungs are really sensitive um, to getting sick. So whenever I now kind of sense I'm getting sick, I try to listen to my body and play it easy. Um, and if I do feel like moving, just doing things at low intensity um, and not pushing it to the point where my heart rate is super, super high. Yeah. So like today's a really good example. You texted me and saying, hey, do you mind if I do that brick workout from that we have scheduled for Friday today? And I think we both agreed, you know, and my my question to you was like, hey, how much have you eaten? Because yeah. you had it was a higher intensity type of session geared towards a little bit more like sharpening, right? Because that's what we're focusing yeah. on this week. And I said, my concern is, is because you were throwing up and nauseous and couldn't eat, that your glycogen levels were low. I said, I think you can handle the volume, but we, you know, intensity may not be. So that's something to think about when you're trying to decide if you want to move, like you said, if you want to move or not, taking a look and saying, okay, well, maybe I can't necessarily do that session because it's a higher intensity, but I could manage to get out and do, you know, a 40 minute easy run where I'm just moving my body and I'm not, um, not pushing myself. And so like that for me, that's what I did last weekend, um, before I finally canned it and just did nothing for almost two days straight. But I was trying, I I was at that point where I was like, I I think I'm getting sick, but I'm not sure. And it was just in my head. And so like rule of thumb or guideline is if it's in your head, you train, but you adjust intensity. If it's below the head, um, you do, you do not. And for me, I also, I think one, that's a good rule. However, as we just talked about with you, we know that you, like if you are someone who is, is similar to Aaron and it has a tendency to travel quickly to your lungs, then that's a time where you have to say, okay, I know this about myself. I know that it could easily quickly travel to my lungs. We don't want to go that direction. So I need to be more cautious. So it kind of is really a, a very much just a really listening to your body and making decisions because movement actually can be good, mm-hmm. but you want to keep the intensity very low um, so that you're not affecting your immune system any more than it is. So it's really just all about, you know, listening. So like for me, so similar to you, like you talked about the motivation. I didn't want to, I did not want to ride my bike. So I just ran, but I did run walks. 
the entire time, all weekend. I ran, I would run like five to 10 minutes and then I'd walk and I'd run five to 10 minutes and I'd walk. Um, that's kind of how I managed it. And then it blew up and I sat on my bed for five hours straight. <laughs> so, not sure if I did it right or not, but yeah, listening to your body, I think is the key. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, this is where you can kind of start to use technology a little bit. Like if you feel like you're starting to get sick and your data kind of confirms that you're starting to get sick, you probably are. So that's a good sign to back off. And when I say data, I'm talking about things like your resting heart rate increasing, your HRV decreasing, um, and your respiratory rate increasing. Those can all be kind of signs that the newer watches or your whoop or your aura ring can kind of give you insight on. And if you physically feel that way and then check the data and it kind of confirms it, it's a good sign that you should back off for a day or two. Yeah. Like for example, you posted on Instagram like four days ago or something, a comparison of your two easy runs that had some strides. And it's a really great example of, hey, this is the data showing me that my body is still recovering from whatever it is because it was showing that your heart rate won for the exact same effort. Your heart rate was way higher in one than the other. And then recovery scores and just all these pieces. Um, and I yeah. think that's that's where you can really kind of tell and it makes sense. You know, like for example, for me that weekend when I when I couldn't get when I can't when I can't get wafts above 110, I know that I don't feel good because I should be able to get watts above 110 without even trying. And when I just physically cannot, then that's a, for me, that's the sign that, okay, something's not, something's not right. Got to make a change. Awesome. Okay. So we'll move on here. Um, we had a question from Debbie on the best bike bags for travel, or do we use tri-bike transport? <laughs> and this is a great question. I'm assuming it's coming from the fact that there is chaos ensuing with tri-bike transport at the moment. We will not go into detail about the chaos, but um, <laughs> I know like one, one of the where if you take you athletes, her bike is stuck somewhere. And she has no clue when she's getting it back. Was it a yeah. Spain athlete? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I know who it is. Yeah. Yeah. We raced in Spain and uh, she's been like trying. She's contacting like, yeah, they are giving her nothing. So I personally have never used tri-bike transport in my life because I find it the cost to be ridiculous. And the fact that you have to oftentimes get rid of your bike for like one to two weeks prior and then you don't get it back for one to two weeks after your race, like never would work for me because I wouldn't have a bike to ride. Like, what am I going to do? So I also like to travel with my bike. It's easy. I find it easy and way cheaper. Um, depending on, you know, tri bike transport, I think can be like upwards of $500 if I'm right. I don't know. Have you ever used it? No, I know my mom has, but I knew right away when I started the sport and signed up for Ironman Texas, which was going to be my first travel race, um, that I was going to go the route of buying a bike bag because I never wanted to deal with the logistics of that. And I always wanted to ride my bike up until the time I was going to leave. Yeah. So I find buying, I find traveling with it super easy. Um, there's plenty of bags out there that are great, um, that are super easy. I have the, um, 
Psycon, um, the soft, I have the soft case set from Psycon. It's been fabulous. And it is a soft case though. So you do have to kind of like, I really pad mine a lot um, to make sure that, you know, nothing's going to hopefully, you know, get ruined or cracked or anything. There are other bags. The the reason the Psycon is great because they often have deals. I think you got yours on a deal. I got mine on a deal. So it was like 50% oh, yeah. off. I think they're and like was, 60% off for Black Friday right now. Yeah. And it's actually fairly reasonably priced because of that. Like I really wanted to get a Bike Box Allen, um, which is a really great hard case uh, bike box. And it was I was like, oh, cool. It's not actually crazy expensive. I think it was like $700 shipping was like $350. And I was like, I, I can't spend $1,100 on a bike box. I just can't do it. Yeah. So bike box Allen is amazing because it's a full hardcover case. Um, you don't have to like take apart a lot of things. Um, I think that's what scares people the most with bike boxes. It's having to take things off. But like for me, I just take my wheels off and I take my derailleur off and that's it. Um, and super easy to put them back up together. A lot of bikes, uh, bags nowadays, you don't have to like remove the handlebars. If you're really good with your stuff, like you can remove the handlebars and move things and, and so that, you know, everything's protected. But you can also protect them fairly well so that they, you know, they don't do that. Um, and then depending on the airline that you travel, it, it's really not crazy expensive. Oftentimes I know. I, don't, I, I fly Southwest, $75 each way. I don't know what you – you fly American or United? American or United, and it checks for the same price as a regular bag. So $30 if it's the only bag you're bringing or $40 if it's the second. Yeah. So – and I think that's the same with Alaska. It's not, not bad. So I recommend learning to travel with your bike. It's a lot easier, especially, especially if you're someone who races, you know, more than once – Honestly, if you're twice, yeah. it's going to be cheaper in the long run. Yeah. So. And if you're taller, sometimes, like I probably, the last two races should have removed my aero bars from my bike. Instead, I got stressed out and I just left them out of the bag with some padding. Oh my goodness. No, that sounds um, terrifying. Why would you do that? Because <laughs> I didn't want to remove that. <laughs> <laughs> but but it made it both ways both trips so both oh coordinate and kona so, <laughs> i mean like maybe oh. my bag was treated with extra care because the airline pilots were like we don't know what's going on with what's this going one. on what is this chaos <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah i don't know i also have the Psycon bag however it doesn't work too well with my new bike because my new bike is the frame is closer to the bottom, so it hits the plastic of the Psycon bag. So I'm looking to get the Evoc bag that's kind of like half hard, half soft, mm, like the top and the bottom a, are hard. That's what I want. Um, and Ku said that it fits the bike really well. So you I can remove in- that plastic, FYI. I did once. Okay. So yeah, I might do that. In. So we'll see. I'm seeing if there's a good sale on it. Nothing's popped up yet. Maybe backcountry. Um, But we're keeping my eye out throughout the weekend. I don't need it till April. So we're just kind of keeping my eyes out for now. But the Psycon has worked well so far. I've had no issues with it. 
I wanted to get that one too, but it was very expensive and I just couldn't justify it. Yeah. It was like, again, I could spend like $500 or I could spend $900. Yeah. It just didn't correlate for me. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Okay. Um, so now that we had a question from um, Danae, we all love Danae. Thanks for chiming in, Danae. Um, and it was our, what is our favorite off season hobby or thing that we like to do? And this is a good one because we're moving towards the postseason here or off season or yeah. foundation season, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> and you know, all the above. So I know what Aaron's answer is. Skiing. Yeah. I will tell you. I have been really missing skiing lately for some reason. Um, so, but I just, so for me, it's just hard to manage with the kids. Like, cause you got to go at least a two hour drive is my assumption to get to skiing around here. Is yeah, that right? Two hours. Yeah. You have to Flagstaff's about two. Yep. Two and a half. And so that means I'm gone all day, which is fine. I guess. Well, you just teach week, them how to day. ski. I know. I know. I should. Maybe I should get my dad to do it. And he could do it. But I have been missing skiing and th thinking I should pick it back up because I just loved it. It was what I did for so long. 18 years. That's what I did. Yeah. All the time. I mean, I was addicted. I skied five cool. days a week. I skied, I skied five days a week. Every Saturday, Sunday, all day. We had to be on the mountain by, we had to be on the mountain by like 8 a.m. And we skied till close. And then three days a week, two to three days a week, I would go up on the weekdays after school and night ski training. I skied all the time. That's all I did. And now I don't. It's of life. I don't know. Maybe you can convince me. Drag me up there. We can yeah, ski together. Come skiing. <laughs> we should. Let's, well, let's plan that. At least once. Okay. We'll go ski yeah. together this winter. Yeah. It'll be fun. It's awesome. Um, I just got yeah, new snow season, pants. I would need new, I would need all new snow gear. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I have skis still and I have boots, but ugh, they're my old uh race boots which are not not comfortable. Yeah. No. I could just rent for a little bit. But for me, it's going to sound stupid because for me triathlon and I don't even think I've like to call triathlon, but it's just what I do now. And I love it. I like to run, I like to bike and I like well, I sometimes like to swim. For me, it's just, I just do those things. That's what I do. And so I don't necessarily have like an off-season hobby that I do because I just do the same things. But I am looking forward to, I told this to my sister, a focus for a couple weeks of not training but exercising because I still want to exercise, but I need a break from training for a couple weeks. You said you're excited to get on your gravel bike, aren't you? Yes, that I am excited to do. But I still think of that as like, yeah, you know, it's still, still training like, a right? little bit. my bike. Like, <laughs> I just want to ride my bike, and I want to run, and I want to do Yeah. Because <laughs> those are yeah. the things that I like to do, you know? So I guess I'm boring, and I don't have any hobbies outside of what I love to do. Yeah, I love triathlon, but I like to ski, and I like going to cute Christmas pop-up bars and getting the cute Santa mugs and the themed drinks. <laughs> Ooh, I want to do that. I like mountain biking. <laughs> I don't know. Just all the random things that I try and make a little more time for social activities as well. Um, with Ironman Texas, it's 
a little closer. I mean, even though I'm racing this month, I kind of took a lot of November off just between being sick and life being busy. But we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what this offseason is going to look like, how long it will be when I'll start getting into full on Ironman training again. Uh, just taking It'll it all by ear. February. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. We don't have to full, get full into it until February. Yeah. I think that's the thing oftentimes that people get really confused with when we do like when I like we talk about training for an Ironman or something. It's like we expect and have to have this really long like I have to be 20 weeks and fully committed into it. And that's not necessarily the case, right? Like no. no. Especially for most age groupers, right? You don't need to. We can manage and work around those pieces that you want to do. So if it's like if you are doing Texas, but you want to do cross-country skiing in January, you know what? We'll fit that in or downhill skiing or whatever. I, I happen to think Yeah, I'm going downhill. I'm not cross-country. But <laughs> we'll fit that in and make it work. Like you don't have to do a 20-week build, especially if you spent the whole year previously training. Yeah. That doesn't and if go you were away. Doing, if you were doing – 20 weeks of four to five hour rides every weekend, I think you would hate this sport by the end of yeah. it for most. Pros are a Unless little different. Unless you're professional, because you have yeah. to, as I've realized, if you're not, you're going to get left behind. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but you can be a very good age grouper and not have to do those kind of things and still live the life. Just, you know, I think that's one of the pieces. So. Um, okay, this is a fun question that Caitlin asked us. What is on our Christmas list? Anything triathlon related? My mom Kayla, asked you can me start us out. Okay, my mom asked me for my Christmas list, and I said, uh, <laughs> that was my response. <laughs> can I, I'll give my extreme wish list. I would love somebody to buy me <laughs> a nice road bike. That's my wish oh. list. I've always wanted a really nice road bike because I actually love road biking. Uh, that's what I started out as. I've been road biking my entire life. I love it. But I've never had a nice road bike. I've always just kind of had cheaper road bikes. And unfortunately, I just can't afford to. I'm in the process of buying a new tri-bike, new TT bike, which means I actually have to sell my current road bike. That is, I don't love anyways, but yeah, I would love a nice road bike. So I'm not always on my TT bike, but mm-hmm. that's like my extreme wish list. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody in my family is going to get me. <laughs> What's your everyday, or not your extreme, but just you're like, I think someone might get me this wish list. Uh, I put a pair of Birkenstocks on there. I could use another pair because I ruined my other pair. I don't know, honestly. I'm terrible with gifts. Not a very good holiday person. Um, yeah. I literally haven't thought about it. Um I could use a new pair of bike shoes because mine are disgusting. I guess that could be something triathlon related. I don't really have a wish list, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Which is fair. sad. <laughs> I mean, we still have got time to think about it. Still a month away. Yes. Exactly. Um like some of my stuff, I know it's easier for me to acquire it on my own. But if you I have can my have problem too, <laughs> if I can have someone tell me, it. 
buy this and I'll reimburse you. Um, I would like a disc wheel for my bike because I think that will save a significant amount of time at Ironman Texas. Um, mm. If I yes. have a full disc. I might have one for sale coming up. Maybe. <laughs> Not kidding. Um, okay. Um, and then what else do I want? I'm sure I want a lot of clothes. What I really want, and this sounds a little ridiculous, I want a like professional stylist to tell me what type of clothes looks good on yes. me, like in everyday life, because I don't know how to dress myself. I don't know what looks good on me. I can buy athletic clothes all day, but when it comes to like casual, cute dress up clothes, yes, I put everything on. I was like, this was not made for me. So if I could have someone to tell me what looks good on me, and then maybe like a few staple pieces, that would be amazing. Yes, you nailed it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah, I can't style myself to save my life at all. Like, yeah, that would be amazing. That's a beautiful. All right. Anybody listening, Aaron and I need somebody <laughs> to style us so that we don't just look like we got at home from the gym every day. Because yeah. if you were to see the video right now, Aaron has a zip up hoodie type thing on and I have a hoodie and I have running shorts on so your hair looks like it's in a wet bun and mine's in a greasy ponytail yep you nailed it <laughs> nailed it <laughs> oh yeah so i think that yeah we'll see we'll see what we do for christmas i'm more trying to figure out what to get for the kids um because it's more fun to get them things than it is to buy myself stuff honestly so i but. feel like children you can give them a box and they'll be excited yeah Yes, for the most part, you really can. Like, there's those memes that are like, I'm going to get my wrap up what my kid really wants. Here is an empty plastic water bottle. Oh, I just thought of another one. I love experience gifts. So, if someone wants to like pay for my ticket and Kyle's ticket to go to 70.3 Worlds in New Zealand, that would be a gift. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of what we're thinking of doing for the kids. Like, we're taking them up to go to the North Pole Experience in Flagstaff. Um, oh, after that would the be so after fun. After Indian Wells. Yeah, so we're going to go up. We're going to do the whole North Pole Experience, which is like this two, two and a half hour long thing where they get to meet Santa and they get to, like, build their own bear, I think, and do all these – go see Santa's workshop. And then we're going to stay the night and stuff. So we're – that might be their gift and then we'll give them something small so um awesome okay and then sarah has a question that said what non-triathlon related shows or movies do you guys watch on long trainer rides i think this is good because i think we do different things do you watch anything yeah i mean i don't have swift so i feel like i have to have something (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know it's been a while since i've used the trainer um, I'll use it for short rides every now and then, but I just have my Cervelo on there because I recently learned from lending my mom's trailer to Yana, um, that you need a different cassette and a different hub thingy with different bikes. So my new bike's a 12 speed and it has ah, yes. SRAM components and my old yep, bike is used. a Shimano bike. Um, so my trainer, I would need to get new parts for, um, not that I've intended to put my new bike on the trainer yet, 
but that's something I have to figure out. Anyway, so I have not been on the trainer for a while. It's fairly easy to do, but oh, okay. buy a new oh, set well, and a new hub. It's very easy. <laughs> I'll get to it. So is buying a fan, and I still have not. Yes. <laughs> um, I like to watch rave sets on the trainer. Um, so like Subtronics from EDC Las Vegas or something like that. Oh my um, goodness. That That's awesome. I love um, that. And then I like whatever show I'm into. So if I find a show that I just want to click next episode, next episode, next episode, um, I'll save those for the trainer because clearly they have my attention. So yeah. it makes the ride go by faster. And then the other one that comes to mind is Bachelor or Bachelor in Paradise because Kyle does not like to watch those. So I have to watch them on my own time, which would be my trainer time. That's usually when I watch things is when I watch things that Brandon will not watch, which is basically everything that I watch. <laughs> so <laughs> and and I don't get to watch TV anymore because of the kids. So I use trainer time to binge watch my shows and everything like that. Um, I watch YouTube. Tri- I am your I am your standard triathlon nerd. I watch every single YouTube out there that people make. I also believe part of me also knows I watch it because, like, I know from my own standpoint that it helps. It's helping them. Like that is a way to support a triathlete is to watch their shit because then it gets more eyes on it, and then that gets more people watching it and then sponsors like for professional sponsors will get more interested in them like if you want to help support a triathlete a professional triathlete watch their content because it'll help so that's one of the reasons i do it but two i also am like your full-on triathlon nerd like i love it i watch all of it and then i just watch random stuff on oh, netflix shows um I just recently watched one on Netflix called Pine Gap that was really good. I don't have like a specific type of thing that I watch. I just watch any, I don't know. I don't have like a specific. I'm someone who also can rewatch series. So like I can, oh yeah. Like I'll rewatch, like I've watched The Vampire Diaries about five times. Oh God, you like Vampire Diaries? I love Vampire Diaries. I'm totally It's my sister's favorite. I don't like it. But it doesn't matter. Like I can watch, I can rewatch stuff. Um, Bones. No. I've rewatched Bones about a hundred times. Um, suits. Oh, I love every rewatch suits. Suits, suits <laughs> is my favorite. That's yep. what I was going to recommend. Love suits. I really like white collar. Matt yes, Bomber, so despite good. being gay, is so attractive. Oh, so hot. Uh, oh, so man. hot. <laughs> so suits like. and white collar are my trailer trainer yep. recommendations for you if 100%. you want non-triathlon content yes bones also very good okay i haven't seen bones i'll check it very out very good looking very if you watch seal team he main it's the main guy in seal team very good yeah fabulous show so yeah i just binge watch shows and movies um for lack of better it's my it's my guilty pleasure time Awesome. Okay. Last question. I think one, it was, so it was kind of geared towards me, but we're going to take it in two different routes because I think it could be really powerful in two different ways. Um, so the question was, um, where is it? Here we go. 
Um, what was your journey like transitioning from amateur to pro? So I will answer that question. And then I want Aaron to answer what it was like kind of transitioning from a college athlete to triathlon. Um, because that's a big transition too. And we know, I know, I know just because I know Aaron that that created a lot of different like thought processes for you. So, and a lot of athletes, right. Transition from maybe having done a college sport or something along those lines into triathlon, and it could be kind of a great mind shift. So, um, I'm gonna let you go first. What was <laughs> your journey like transitioning from a college athlete into triathlon, and how has it been different, better, worse, etc.? I think for me, transitioning into triathlon was it was empowering in a way. Um, when I got into triathlon, I told myself that I was doing this sport for fun and that it had to stay kind of purely fun. I probably lied to myself for like six years of my swim career and said that I love it. And I don't, looking back, I didn't, it stressed me out all of the time. Um, I get anxiety attacks really easily when sets didn't go well because I was constantly putting so much pressure on myself to get back to the times that I did when I was 15. Um, I had a very all in mindset with swimming. Like everything had to be done at a hundred percent. Um, and like every decision I made kind of had to be around swimming. Um, so when I started triathlon, it was really important to me that this was something I was doing for me and only me. And that it was something that I was going to be doing for fun and as a hobby, which if you hear me talk about like my training time compared to a lot of even other age group triathletes, it's way lower because that just helps me keep it fun for now. Um, and there will come a point where like I might be ready to change that mindset, but I'm not there right now. And with triathlon and I'll say it again, the most important thing to me is that this stays fun. Um, I've seen so many college athletes lose joy for the sport throughout their athletic careers. Um, and I think getting into triathlon can be a great way to redefine that. But since most college athletes have this very type A personality where things have to be done to the max all the time, it's easy to go down that route with triathlon as well. Um, and I think it takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of restraint to not go there with triathlon if that's not your goal with it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the main things you and I worked on from the beginning was me holding you back to yeah. say, and even not necessarily from a volume standpoint. But learning to really look at the session and I mean, even we even had this conversation probably like, like what, three weeks ago or so where I was like, okay, that wasn't supposed to be an all in session. Well, that was just the like, stupidest. Right. But, but that right. Like that's that concept yeah. but that we've been really working on. Cause you, like you said, like a lot of college athletes and especially swimmers and runners, honestly, I feel like, cause that's where a lot of these people, like a lot of triathletes come from a swimming or a running background. We're a very masochistic group yeah. where we are all or nothing and learning to be all, learning to be all in 
for what all in means to you in that moment is really powerful. And that's something that we've been really working with, with you on. And I feel like it's just kind of in the last year really started to click where you're starting to really kind of understand like, here, this is what all in means to me right now. And it doesn't mean that all in can't change. Right. Yeah. And I think it's the realizing that you can still have goals even if it's not a hundred percent of your focus, as long as it stays the focus in the moment that you're doing that thing. Um, I think that's something I still struggle with. I still have pretty big goals in triathlon. Um, and I struggle with sometimes feeling guilty that I'm not doing more to achieve those goals and feeling like I'm not worthy of having those goals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am. And because yeah. I do care and I, do what I think is best for me at this moment in time and every workout that I'm in, I'm in, in that moment. And I think the triathlon journey is different for every single person. I think it's just really important to know why you do it and continually go back to your why. I think that's so true. And that is why I wanted you to share your transition journey, because I think that's a powerful one that a lot of people need to listen and hear. Um, because you can gain a lot from all those pieces. And I know you have, or at least yeah. just from watching from the outside, right? And, I have. <laughs> and, being a, and being a part of it. Like I've been able to watch you kind of go from someone who felt like you absolutely had to have this very specific thought process to really be, like you said, being a more empowered about yourself and the goals and, and not being afraid to have scary goals, but also know that, hey, I can have this huge goal that is five years down the road and still work towards it, but be empowered to say, this is what I need right now for who I am. Yeah. Being willing to be selfish for your goals from an encompassing standpoint. And that, I think that's where people get confused too often is when we talk about this idea of being selfish is like being selfish doesn't mean that you're always just me, 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 me. It means that you're choosing the things that you need for you to be the best version of yourself. And that could mean like, you know, we've talked about in the past with you, like, okay, that means I'm being dedicated right now to triathlon and triathlon only. But in the postseason, that means me being, okay, every Saturday, Sunday, I'm going to go skiing and I'm only going to quote unquote train for 30 minutes or whatever. Like that's also you being selfish about your needs. And that's an important selfish, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And it's all figuring it out. I mean, you're going from an environment where you had to train 20 hours a week every week, especially with swimming when you have that safety exemption rule where the coaches were allowed to be on deck even in the off season. Um, and I'm the type of person where like, I, I, I started swimming for the coaches at that point in my life. Um, where I just felt like I needed to be viewed as the hardest worker. I needed to do everything kind of by the book. Um, and I think that's something I still struggle with. Like I have a problem where I text Kayla. I'm sorry a lot. If I can't oh, do a workout, tell her, but- <laughs> don't be sorry. <laughs> um, you don't need to apologize to me. <laughs> so it's like, I think that journey from being a college athlete where you're told everything that you need to do to having a relationship with your coach where it's more about communication between what the two of you think. And then also 
really, it should be more you like saying like, this is more what I need and your coach than guiding you in the right direction and giving you those workouts and schedule to fit your needs. Yep. And I think through that, you know, having, finding that relationship with someone too, like, like you said, you have a tendency to say that you're sorry, but you don't have to say you're sorry to me because I believe in you. And I believe that you know how to adjust and you know how to handle, say, okay, I, I couldn't nail this today. You don't need to say sorry. You just say, hey, this is what happened. This is what's going on. And then we say, okay, maybe that means we need to do this and we need to look at it from this angle. Um, I was listening to a podcast with Dan Loring today, who is Annie Haug, Jan Perdano, and Lucy Charles and some other people's coach. And he, the question was like, how do you, how do you help your athletes create their schedules? And he says, well, I don't. They tell me what they want to do. And then we work together to say, yeah, this works or no, that does not, that's not a smart idea or yeah. Okay. Let's go for this. And to me, that really illustrated kind of the important piece because it's like you as the athlete taking initiative for yourself to stand up for you. And then the coach being that second person who believes in you and can help guide you. We're kind of getting off topic here, but it's an important thing, I think. (laughs) I agree. So to get back on topic, Kayla, how'd your your transition from the age group triathlete to the pro triathlete life go? Man, we could do an entire podcast on that. Um, (laughs) Maybe I should do a YouTube video on it at the end of the season because it's been a – it's definitely been a journey. It's transitioning from age group – to professional for me and maybe not for everybody, but I, I just feel like it was, it's a, it's a, it's a huge step. It's so different. It's completely different. It's cause you know, as an age grouper, I was good enough where I could kind of, I could just train and do the things. And I basically knew that I was going to show up and I was either going to win or I was going to come in the top three. Like it was almost, that's how it was going to be. It, in the professional field, you can't just show up. There's no just showing up. You have to you have to do the work because otherwise you'll get left in the dust. Because it's so especially now, it's so the the level is so high. And the women that were raised and men and you know, whatever, professional triathlon is, is so good. And everybody has leveled up and they, you know, is 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 it's amazing and it's exciting to be a part of it. Um but there is no just showing up. It's it's it becomes it's 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 life now, um, and it's hard and it's challenging and it's been interesting. I've definitely learned a lot. I definitely don't really know feel like I know what I'm doing yet. Um, but and it's definitely been one of those where like I have found that it's a weird combo where I really believe that I deserve to be there. But I am struggling to just let myself go and do the work, if that makes any sense. Like I have no issue doing the work, but I'm, I'm like, feel like I'm forcing myself to be there already. And I've been having a really hard time just letting go and just doing. Um, whereas when I was an age grouper, I just felt like I could just do and I would I'd get it done. And I could work. I was working harder than everybody else anyways. 
and as pro, I'm not, I don't know. It's a weird, I'm probably not articulating it very well, honestly, but. I think that concept of working harder though, I think that's like everybody's fear. I think, mm-hmm. and that's going back to my journey. That's where I struggled is I always wanted to be the person who worked the hardest. Yeah. And I feel like if I don't work the hardest, I don't deserve to have my goals. Um, but most of the time, you might not be the person working what you consider to be the hardest. Like Kayla, like most of these pro triathletes who are training 26, 27 hours a week, that might not be the right thing for you right now in this moment. Yeah. And, it's um, and, and becoming okay with the fact that they might be doing more than me, but I'm doing the best I can. And I'm going to work in every session to execute it the way that it's supposed to be executed. And that's what's going to allow me to get the most out of myself. Yep. And I like that you said that because that's definitely a realization I had like not long after um, Mount Tremblant. And my training has gone a lot better because I've really just said, this is what I can handle. And that's just the way that it is. Like there are other professional women that have kids, but most of them had already had an established career when they had kids. I came into this. Have having kids, very young children, and then trying this new thing. And it is definitely like I stand on the start line and I look at the row of women and I go, my life is not like theirs. And that's okay because it's different. And, but it also like, this is going to sound silly, but it kind of gives me like the sense of pride a little bit. Like, I'm try. I'm doing this. I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit quote unquote. I'm, I got into it a little bit older. Like I'm 34, and I don't think that that's old. Personally, like Annie Haug is 41 or something like that, and she just took second in the world. Like you, I'm not. I don't think I'm old, but quote unquote, I jumped into the pro, pro field old, and it kind of gives me like this sense of pride that I'm trying to really hard just to grasp onto that. And just have that be where my focus is because I do feel pride that I'm doing this with two young kids, running a business, being old, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Well, also, and, go- and it's a different, say, I don't know. Brandon works as well full time. Like yep. a lot of these triathletes who are training that much with kids, their husbands don't work full time. Yeah. Um, you both are full-time workers. You have two gorgeous kids you both care about tremendously. Um, but I think you do a really great job of utilizing the time you do have while making time for those kids and other things that are so important to you. So I still think you're working hard. It just doesn't look the same as other people. No, it doesn't. So how's the transition been overall? It's been awesome. I love it. I, I wouldn't go back. I'm so proud of myself and so happy that I made this jump. And for me, it was like <laughs> I wanted to move from being the top age grouper to like pushing myself. Like I, I have pushed myself further. And that was the point of this. Like that's why I made the leap because I wanted to take that next step to finding out who I can be and how I can get faster, stronger, better, all these things. Um, And I've had a good year for the most part. Like it wasn't necessarily what I wanted, but I feel like I had a lot of changes that like we moved a lot of states away. Um, The kids are going through their life changes. I, you know, 
Brandon took on a new job. Uh, you know, I, I made this new career change too with going professional and we moved to a different state. And so I feel like I've really kind of like handled as much as I can and done as much as I can with that and have had a good season. And it really has more just left me like really hungry for next year and to see, you know, hey, okay, we've made a lot of changes and we, we really realize that there's things that I need to improve on and it just getting excited about that. And so for me, it's really, I still definitely am working through mentally some imposter syndrome stuff that I've got going on that is, that I'm working on. Like I, I know that I have these feelings and I, I definitely need to kind of like work through them still. And I haven't quite figured out working through them. So whenever I do, I'll share how I did it. But <laughs> um, but it has left me, you know, I am excited for 2024 um, to see, you know, okay, if I can be someone who has come in the top 10 and been just tickling on the edge of being in that top five to, to eight instead of just eight to 10, what can I do next year? So I don't know. It's, it's definitely been eye-opening. It has been hard. It is challenging. It has created a lot. There's been a lot of times where I've doubted myself a lot, but at the end of the day, it's left me excited. And I think that's, that's the whole piece that I have to focus on. So it's been fun, hard, but fun. So. Awesome. Well, we're kind of coming up on this hour here. Aaron needs to go get a bike workout and run done before it gets dark. And we've got Thanksgiving tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah. You guys got plans? I know you're staying here. No. Uh, we'll do something. I don't know what we'll do. Um, it's just nowhere's got a ton of snow. So that kind of ruled out yeah. that plan a bit i'm not gonna go somewhere and ski one run the entire day so that's not fun no. yeah so, so we might go to sedona do some mountain biking yeah maybe maybe we'll get atvs maybe we'll just relax by a pool i don't know but we'll do something that all sounds <laughs> fabulous <laughs> yeah so awesome how about you all guys right, everybody uh we're just hanging out at home i gotta do a run and then my sister's in town and hang out there. So nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right, everybody. Well, if you do have questions for us next week, we will be doing a little bit of a pre-race for Indian Wells. Aaron and I are both oh, racing. That's coming up soon. I know it? it's coming up soon. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and uh, if you ever have questions for us that you want us to answer topics you want us to cover, please send them over to where take you.com slash podcast, or you can hit up either Aaron or myself on Instagram. We will, um, both of us, are very active on there and we can we'll keep your jot of your questions uh if you have a chance if you could share the podcast on social media because just a way to help support get the eyes and ears out there and it's the easiest way to support us um or if you're up for it and you like what you hear from us please leave us a review on either uh spotify or apple podcasts again that just helps with the algorithm gets the gets the podcast um shown to more people so Thank you to everybody for your support and for listening. And we will be back next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Grateful for all of you, all of our listeners yes. out there on this wonderful Thanksgiving Eve. Yes. Thanks, everybody.